So just, all right, Caleb, we're talking about angels today. Movies with angels and or demons. And we're going to go ping pong style. So I will start. Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the... Which is a great movie, by the way. I'm like I can see all the pictures of the movie. All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> I love that or one. Or TV shows. Here's one. Growing up in the '90s, touched by an angel. Wasn't there like a TV show that was called like Lucifer? Well, that's too dark for me. I don't. I don't uh, know uh, Charmed was a little weird. What's that one with Tom Hanks? That's like uh, is that Angels in Deep or Angel, uh, Da Vinci Code? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Angels in the End Zone. I didn't know there were so many angel movies. Wait, There's a lot of up. angel movies. Angel movies. There's that one that Angela Jolie. <laughs> Apparently there's angel movies. That's on Pluto. Oh, Lead Up Battle Angel. Did you ever watch that? No. Based off some sort of anime or something. Oh, yeah. Angels and Demons. You said that one. Mm-hmm. That's the Tom Hanks one. That's what I was thinking of. Charlie's Angels. <laughs> oh, Charlie's Angels. Legion, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, for that some sounds, I'd be curious how many people get their view of angels and demons more from Hollywood than from the Bible. Especially like, and I think we'll get into that today, how angels look of the like the, the pretty boy yeah. or girl with, or like the Cupid with their wings coming. Yeah. And when you see like, I love seeing those like memes of... Biblically <laughs> accurate <laughs> angel pictures. And you're like, Eyes all over the place. That's terrifying. I wonder, like they said, do not be yeah. afraid. It's right. interesting. I think that's always been, maybe this is already going to tangent, but if God's creating like these beautiful creatures, why did he make them so weird looking to us? Like what is, and does that affect so, our standard of beauty in a sense? I don't know. So what we have to remember is not like every angel looks like yes. those specific ones. And most of the time angels take on the appearance of a person. So that's where. But if that's not their true form, like why is it that their true form is so like weird to us? I think, I think that's like that. That's always been the question in my mind. Yeah, I, don't know if I we think can we always. That, I though. think we always want to. We we always want to think of things and like we put ourselves as the standard of what something ought to look like. Mm. Where angels are, you know, special creatures by God, and so God's going to create them. You know, He didn't create angels in His image. He created us in His image. Angels, man, they are just they're crazy creatures. Do you think that should like affect our idea of what is glorifying and beautiful to God though in a sense of what is where obvi- I think us as humans image we are this most beautiful creation there is yeah but you think I think what we I think be- I think we overlap be- what's beautiful and what's glorious and I think like angels are, are have a degree of glory in their being that we might find terrifying mm. very rarely do we find something terrifying and also beautiful Hey, Soteria students, welcome back to our podcast. It's been a number of weeks since we've recorded, but we're excited to be back with you. Caleb and I, I think, can we officially say, Caleb, we have recovered from Lake Ann camp last week? I am, I think in the last two days, finally, I was going to bed at like 9.30 the last nights, and I'm yep. finally, finally back. Yeah. Caleb, real quick before we get into today's topic, what was your biggest takeaway from Lake Ann camp? We didn't get, we didn't have have to or get to council we got to be up there though and 
kind of see camp, see our students uh, enjoying camp. So what was your biggest takeaway? I really appreciated their, from like a administrative perspective, their intentionality with team building. And that was seen in uh, the different games I was able to witness and then uh, how they, how their schedule is oriented, especially. So there's the, the alone times of their morning Bible reading, but then the time spent as cabins was really neat to yeah. me. Um, I've I spent a lot of time at different camps and just seeing their intentionality with building up that group as a cabin, as a team, mm-hmm. um, and especially my, my team leadership uh, training going in. That was, I really, was really encouraging to see and see how it in, uh, impacted the kids. I think they had, I think it encourages less of a, a camp high, like looking for that experience, but more of like building you as a person and mm-hmm. as a character building also being uh, if, uh, impacted by the truth of scripture as well. I think that's an awesome pairing that you yeah. don't see at a lot of camps. Mine is a little shorter than that. I just really like the worship, uh, the oh, singing yes. for chapel. My girls were up with us and they got into it. They love singing in that expressive joy up there. Um, seeing our students just excited to sing. It, yeah, that's really fun. That was the good. The power of corporate worship is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, so this podcast, we want to serve our students and talk about things that you want to talk about. And a couple times this uh, year in youth group, we do Q&A nights. Uh, Caleb will do them in middle school. I'll do them in high school. We'll have other leaders contribute. And it, I love those Q&A nights, Caleb, because it gives us a window into what our students are thinking about. Um, it Sometimes, yeah, like, what is my favorite Disney princess? They were really worried about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I guess we just get really intelligent questions in high school. No, actually, I don't. I don't yeah, <laughs> we get those type of questions too. Um, but it also shows us some maybe some areas in which uh, we need to spend some time teaching. The problem is you can't c- cover everything in those Q and A nights, and we have uh, had some really good questions submitted. And we're actually gonna. I took a question, and it's a more like a. A five or six part question submitted by one of our students, uh, really well thought through question, and it was all about angels. And so we're going to take today's podcast and talk about angels and angelic beings and angelology. Which did you know that angelology is the study of angels? So there's a new term. It's a little bit of the, like a more on the nose naming of a doctrine. I feel yes. like compared to like anthropology or yes. martyology. Yes, angelology. What's that study of? Angels. Angels. <laughs> so, uh, we're just gonna kind of walk through and give like a shrunken down, hopefully, hopefully succinct. Hopefully, we're not rambling. Uh, kind of overview of angels. Angels is one of those subjects in the Bible that is unique because you'd only find angels uh, within the context of other Bible stories, of prophecy, of a little bit in the New Testament letters. You know, if you were going to try to explain to somebody the doctrine of sin, you could take them to one chapter and give them a pretty robust understanding yeah, uh, same thing. One. Same thing goes, you know, for the doctrine of the church or God the Father or Jesus Christ. But with angels, you just get little glimpses into the angelic beings because really angels are background characters to the mm. overarching story of the Bible. You know, the hero of the Bible is God. God has a special relationship with humanity. But where do the angels fall in? And you just see glimpses at how uh, God created angels, what angels are created for. Um, fallen angels, the demonic realm, and our response and interaction with 
with that. Uh, so let's start, Caleb, with probably the most famous angel in the Bible. It's not Michael or Gabriel. It's actually Satan or Lucifer. So, Caleb, was Satan an angel? What are some scripture passages that kind of give us a glimpse into uh, Satan, his origin, how he fell, and all that, all that stuff? The origin of Satan's descent is an interesting one because um, I think there's like the passage we go to, um, Isaiah 14, uh, where it's, and other ones that are, they mention like a morning dawn star or other, and it's kind of, uh, a lot of work we're doing is digging in uh, and trying not to uh, pull something out that's not there, but also reading through a little more complicated, interesting mm-hmm. prophecy. What we do know is that Satan was uh, was a an angel. He was, uh, especially, he was created before, I believe we believe that angels would have come before the creation, so they existed there, they would have, or yeah, existed at probably, the same time as creation. You're probably looking like early on in the creation week, so probably day one or day two. And so there's assignments during that time, or maybe either he was created into this. He So he seemed to have quite a, a high rank. So students, if you're listening to the podcast and you have a free you know hands, you're not doing something else, grab a piece of paper or jot a note on your phone, a couple key passages. So it would be Isaiah 14. Um, he's called the bright morning star. And you see his fall because God created Lucifer um, with a very high rank. He seems to be, you know, very prominent in the angelic beings. He was very influential. Um, he was created to bring God glory, and he didn't want that. So uh, you have the I will statements of Isaiah 14. Lucifer, he said, I will be like the Most High God. Uh, Ezekiel 28 uh, is another passage. Ezekiel 28 says, Your heart became proud because of your beauty. For the sake of your splendor, you corrupted your wisdom. So I threw you down to the ground. I made you a spectacle before kings. And Satan, because of his pride and his desire to not give God the glory, but to be God, to get the glory for himself, he was expelled from heaven. And so in that sense, um, Satan rebelled. We see from the book of Revelation that uh, it seems to be good evidence that he took about one-third of the angelic beings with him, and those are fallen angels or demons. So angels were created to carry out God's plan, and there seems to be a period of time when angels could rebel, but Caleb, it seems from the Bible, you know, the biblical evidence that that window was a short window of time when they could fall, and now that window's closed. So I don't, you don't see new demons, you know, you don't see new, like, new acts of rebellion. We know creation is over, so there's obviously not more angels coming in to right. fill the ranks. So there's that, that limited number. I do think it's interesting that God gave, um, God being sovereign and understanding that angels don't exactly have free will. They're not uh, they're not free-thinking individuals. They're created for a specific purpose yep. to bring glory, and we'll get into that later, I'm guessing. Uh, but understand that he gave Satan this opportunity to choose him. I think this one one instance during the create whether it's creation week or sometime after uh, there's one opportunity to choose to uh, fulfill his purpose and obviously Satan uh, decided that he was um, this like highly elevated anointed cherub decided that I'm so beautiful I want to be like God turns his back and goes his own ways and it's interesting that God gave him that choice obviously there was repercussions yep and that will come about later uh, I think Revelation 22 talks about the being cast into the lake of fire 
Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting seeing how God's, even his creation that's specifically designed to bring him glory, he gave him a choice. It's not, he's never been a tyrannical ruler ever. Yeah, absolutely. So, Caleb, are some angels better than others? Oh, obviously. Uh, my guardian angel is. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that next. Um, there, We do see that there is... Um, on like levels of um, like ruler or authority within the angels. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of different prominent ones uh, that were mentioned, like Michael or Gabriel's. Uh, I'm reading here through my notes quickly. Actually, my notes is a, a moody handbook of theology. So Caleb's <laughs> got hit. Caleb's got like an 800 page textbook, and I told him Glancing he couldn't read it. read out of it because that make for a very boring podcast. Michael, so you have Michael. God. Michael is an archangel. Uh, Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel had a pretty cool job. He was God's messenger to to Mary and to Joseph about Jesus coming. We do see like chief princes in Daniel ten thirteen, mm-hmm. um, and then would be ruling angels, kind of Ephesians three and even Ephesians six talks about like rulers, principalities. So let's talk about these forces that we we're fighting against. There's even levels to a demon. There's levels to an angel of different authority that they're given. Yeah, I think of it in like military ranks. So you know, is a lieutenant better than a colonel will know but he has maybe increased responsibility mm-hmm. um so and really the way the bible talks about angels is in like military language so one of the names of god is the lord of hosts um or as chris tomlin saying and it helps me remember the god of angel armies the god of angel, angel armies is <laughs> always by my side don't worry i'm not dropping any new music i'll let alexander <laughs> do that but you have different roles, different, maybe even different degrees of glory. Um, you see Lucifer, you know, Satan called the bright morning star. But like we said earlier, that wasn't good enough for Lucifer. So he he was probably in a very prominent position. You know, and to borrow military language, he was probably like a four-star general. But he wanted to be commander-in-chief, and he rebelled. And uh, so you see, there's not necessarily that angels are better than others. They just seem to have different ranks and in God's sovereignty and his goodness, he's ordered the angels um, really to to carry out his decrees, to carry out his plans. Did you ever uh, play the old Prince of Persia games? No. I grew up in a household that video games were like outlawed until we finally broke my dad's will at like age 11 or 12. Well, did you know that the Prince of Persia is actually a demon, according to Daniel 10.13? Well, maybe that's why I wasn't allowed to yeah. play it. <laughs> and just fun little tidbit. There you go. There's a lot packed into uh, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Isaiah yep. that talks about this really fun, interesting stuff to study through. Right. Yeah. At one point, don't you see Michael like wrestling with the Prince of Persia or something? So, Caleb, do you have an do you have a guardian angel? Do I have a guardian angel? Does everybody have a guardian angel? If I do, could he look at my car more often? That would be awesome. So, related to this, I wrote. Uh, in elementary school, I got to be part of the, like the special thing where you got to write and publish a book. Like they'd send it out oh. and they would like get bound and sent back. And I talked about the day uh, I was writing with my brother and we were picking up a friend from VBS and my brother who was like two or three and probably shouldn't have been sitting in the front seat, uh, pulled the car in reverse and we like ran through a stop sign like slowly, but oh very goodness. dramatically and I wrote a book about that account, and the title of my book was The Day My Guardian Angel Forgot. <laughs> so apparently my second or third grade, Jared, believed that he had a guardian angel. But what do you think? What's the, what's the biblical 
case for or against a guardian angel? I don't think we have like specific passages that would say like your guardian angel that's assigned to you, but we do see that angels are uh, interacting in human affairs. I think they're still continue being used by God and working. He within his will uses angels to perform certain tasks with yeah. throughout creation. So Hebrews one fourteen talking about angels says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are to inherit salvation? Uh, Psalm ninety one eleven for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. And probably if you were going to say this verse, quote unquote, proves guardian angels, a lot of people look at Matthew 18.10, says, See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones, because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father. So you have that, their angels. Now, I was reading an article on Desiring God that would say, Angels do protect and minister and serve Christians, but you're overstating your case to say that it's like a one-to-one. Yes. Every believer has one angel. I had a, my professor in Bible college uh, like to say it this way. He goes, um, there's not enough biblical evidence to say that angels play man to man, but they probably play zone. Mm. And I liked that. So <laughs> all of all believers are protected and cared for through these ministering spirits, these angels. But it's kind of an overstatement to say, you know, everybody has a guardian angel in that sense. Well, because we see them, we see them interacting, especially like through the Old Testament, uh, and even in New Testament, and Acts, seeing how uh, angels are used, like for Philip to, um, they carry him to the Ethiopian eunuch, or uh, they're they're saving Peter when he's in imprisonment there, or they're feeding Elijah uh, in the mm-hmm. Old Testament there in First Kings eight uh, nineteen, and so I think there is a sense of they're they're being used by God in the life in the uh, in His ministry to believers. Maybe in a different sense now, after uh, throughout the church age, than it would have been previously. Yeah. Um, that's a, my dispensationalism talking. So, <laughs> and if that doesn't make any sense to you, students, just ask us later. <laughs> uh, do angels and or demons live on the earth today? Like, do is this something that happened back in in Jesus's day and doesn't really happen now? What do you um, think? I, I don't think they're like living, but I think there are a present in areas and I, th- I think they're present through our creation. We understand yeah. that they're, they're designed to be bringing God glory. And so their presence is their resting place or not well, place to hang out would be, uh, would be in God's presence. Yeah. Say, for an- for angels, positively. Angels, yes. Yeah. Demons not now. They uh, would be condemned Hebrews 13 two says, don't neglect to sh- show hospitality. Well, here's why you should open up your home. Caleb, the author of Hebrews says, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Wow. What in the world is that talking about? Well, apparently the author of Hebrews said, be hospitable people, show gospel hospitality, because some people have actually had angels in their house and they didn't even know it. <laughs> like, that's pretty crazy. Um, on a negative side, uh, Satan and his forces are very present in the world today. Um Paul in Ephesians 6 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So the biggest enemies, the biggest opposition we have aren't other people. It says that actually it's against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. One thing to remember, students, as we talk about, like, especially spiritual warfare and demonic, is you can kind of go into two ditches. So one ditch would be to think that everything is the result of demonic activity. 
I've told the story in youth group before, but when I was in college, we were uh, walking around the neighborhoods in Ankeny asking people if we could do service projects for them. We wanted to be, you know, do some good things in our community there in Ankeny and walked up to one guy and he had like on the back of his van a decal that said like Holy Spirit Ministries. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I talked to him, told him where we were from. And he goes, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a gospel ministry. And my wife and I, we have we have a ministry of deliverance, which means uh, like expelling demons. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah, like we want to heal people. And so for him, he thought, you know, if you have any physical diseases or uh, illnesses, that was an evidence of demonic oppression or possession. And he asked me, he put his hand on my shoulder and he says, do you, do you have any physical ailments or anything oppressing you? And I kind of half jokingly said, I was like, well, I got allergies <laughs> and dead serious. He looks me in the eye and he goes, would you like me to expel the demon of allergies from you right now? I've, that's a new thing I've yeah. been hearing recently. And I was too. like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> and we just <laughs> walked away. I was like, that was your chance. whoa. So for some people, they would say everything is demonic so you need to pray around your neighborhood and uh you know release the demons that are influencing neighborhood and stuff like that it's very that like goes, eastern that, that mojo that goes outside of our biblical commands mm-hmm. our biblical command is to make disciples and we do fight spiritual battles but what do we fight with we fight with the word of god and with prayer the other so that's one extreme and we're like man those guys are crazy why would everybody ever believe that the other danger, the other extreme is to completely ignore any demonic presence or demonic forces. And I think especially uh, in our comfortable American Midwestern lives, we just kind of pretend like Satan and demonic forces and spiritual warfare doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And we're very quick to like rationalize and justify some stuff that happens. But if you talk to somebody that is like, sharing the gospel, planning churches, bringing the gospel to territories and areas in this world that have never had the gospel. Some of those missionaries, some of those pioneer missionaries come back with stories that you're like, wow, you know what? And these aren't like off the rocker type people. These are, these are people who are trying to take the gospel and you see some pretty, you see and hear some pretty amazing things um, that they're dealing with that we, just don't see on a normal day-to-day basis. Did you say you had kind of a story about that? I just, I, there was a missionary, I'm not going to mention his name, um, that he was actively, I think he's still actively serving out in the Middle East, and he had some interesting stories of, uh, whether from uh, an experience with angels or from like a demon oppression. He talked about one time there's a lady come in who was obviously either uh, demon oppressed or demon possessed, uh, depending on yeah. your beliefs concerning that. Um, and just, I understand how like her voice changed and there's, mm-hmm there's a sense of the the spirit like tuning us into there's something obviously wrong going yeah. on and talking about how uh, he didn't perform an exorcism or something that you would see in a movie, but really it was just of reading scripture and prayer and seeing her delivered from that. He also said one time he was telling me of he was, he's in very dangerous areas and he's kind of a guy that stands out um, mm-hmm. just by the, the way he looks. Um, and he's talking about how he's kind of walking the streets and he starts getting chased by different guys who are running at him with, uh, knives and like, uh, I think like a lead pipe they had found. And he tells about, how he was like running down this alley and he sees there's this busy road ahead of him. And if you notice this, he can get across it. Hopefully. So he tells like, hopefully some of the cars would hit them. And then maybe I could like yeah. find up the last few. And he's talking, he's running towards the street and all of a sudden he just hears them screaming and yelling. And he looks back and they're like looking to the sky and they're yelling, screaming and running back. And there's nothing that he could see. 
but obviously there was something that was standing in the way, maybe a would be our, our guardian angel or something that obviously an angelic presence that was protecting him in that mm-hmm. moment. So don't don't read angelic stuff into everything, but also don't ignore it completely, I think is where the, the biblical balance uh, should be there. And something to remember is that if you are a Christian, you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you um, who's living and active, and you don't have to fear you know, demonic possession as a believer because you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And uh, we don't have to live in fear. We should be like, we should have reverence. That's why I think we need to be guarded about, you know, toying with the demonic stuff, even some of the media and movies that are get, get put out. Like it's not something that should be a source of entertainment. Like we should keep, take it mm-hmm. seriously, but we, by taking it seriously, we don't have to like live in fear. We're always so, we're always so naturally going to try to, go to one extreme or the other, but we need to go to the Bible and where the Bible treats these things. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I think it is very important to be aware of what is happening. I mean, Paul even warns believers, um, 2 Corinthians 11, almost like Chronicles, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 3, but I am afraid that as a servant deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and uh, pure devotion to Christ. Understand, he's talking about that where we can be misled by the things that we are seeking after and either highly focusing on a demonic possession or really uh, getting entrenched in worldly music or uh, entertainment and media that can really steer you away from the gospel, even as a Christian, Mm -hmm. even as one who is safe from would be the forces of the demonic realm. You can easily be influenced away and impacted by a satanic or a demonic oppression. That's really good. What do angels do all day, Caleb? Do they sit up on the clouds? Like, are they just... Harp Strumming lessons. harps, yeah. What are what do angels do? We see they have a ministry uh, to believers right now. They're, they're main they're main designed for um, declaring the glory of God. We see the cherubim and Isaiah. Oh my goodness, I'm six. Blanking, six uh, where the holy holy. They're they're there to proclaim. They're worshiping God. That is what they're. But then there's also a ministry now to the believers. Uh, we see their assist in answering prayers. We're talking about how they are used by God in different uh, ways to fulfill His will. Um, they, I, Luke sixteen twenty two talks about they carry believers home. So since they're there at mm-hmm. at our death, and then there's just a there's mainly is their ministry to God, and they're yeah. carrying out whatever He wills or uh, assigns them as soldiers. Yeah, this is gonna be like rapid fire proof texting. Ready? Uh, they worship God. They deliver messages. They inflict punishment. Uh, that's one of gonna be one of the things they do during the end times during the tribulation is they're carrying out God's judgment. Again, all of these. They're carrying out God's will. They're like military uh, level operatives who are carrying out God's mission. Uh, they serve God's people. They protect, perform miracles. Um, and then one day they're going to accompany Jesus when he returns. In Jesus' ministry, angels predicted his birth. They tended to him after his temptation. They cared for him in the garden at Gethsemane. They rolled the stone away. They announced his resurrection. So, again, like none of these passages, angels aren't the main characters, but they're supporting cast Mm -hmm. in God's plan. So, Caleb, uh, probably one of the biggest areas of misunderstanding in the terms of angels is a lot of times when there's a death or something 
or somebody is grieving the loss of a loved one, they'll use language like, oh, they're, they're an angel now, or, um, you know, so-and-so got his or her wings or something like that. Why should we not confuse humanity, humans, with the angelic beings? It really comes down to our in original creation as image bearers of God. See that in Genesis 1, 25 through 27, understanding what we were originally designed to do is we reflect the glory of God. We are made in God's image and all that encapsulated in his emotions and the spirituality and um, the and the, the scope of what that image. And that means that we do not lose that image at death in a sense that we are, we are glor- 1 Corinthians 6, 11 talks about how we are, will be glorified and we are sanctified. We are we are given. We are our same creation, but we are given new bodies in heaven. And this is not an angelic body. We're not given something that mm-hmm. is similar to the angels. They are a separate creation, one designed for a specific purpose. And they are not. They are not image bearers. They do not. Um, yeah. Have that status or title before God. I think. I think we're tempted to think that it would be a promotion to be made an angel. And in a sense, I mean, angels are powerful, crazy creatures, but we actually have it better than angels do um this hit really home for me uh, i was coming up about five years ago i went through an ordination service so um that's when the church was calling me as a pastor and other area pastors came in and they wanted to examine and make sure i understood my bible understood um and thought through ministry and so they could it was kind of like a q a time uh, one it was open up to our church and one of our church members actually um has kids in our youth group now um, she lost her husband unexpectedly when her kids were pretty young. And they had so many well-meaning people say, hey, your daddy's an angel now, mm. trying to comfort them. And it was really hard for this mom to have to walk through that with her kids. And so she asked me, she was like, she basically asked me, you know, how do I, how do I talk to people about that? How do I talk to my kids about that? And we get to enjoy a relationship with God that the angels don't get to enjoy. The angels don't get to address God as their father, their father. You know, God is, God is our father. He Mm. is the almighty sovereign, holy God of the universe, but we get to call him father and we get to experience redemption and salvation in a way that the angels don't understand. Probably one of my favorite verses involving angels talks about what angels (laughs) don't understand or can't see. It says, uh, these things, talking about salvation, have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. That's First Peter one twelve. It's like angels are all gathered up, staring down, like, can you guys get a load of this? What is going on? And what are they looking at? Just in amazement and wonder. It's how humanity, who rebelled against God, sinned against the God of the universe is then welcomed back in to salvation into a right relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. And they are just, they are looking into that and they're like, what in the world is going on? And so when a believer dies, they get to enjoy the, that parent child, that father son relationship in God's presence having their sins been atoned for, that relationship restored. And we actually get a better fellowship with God than the mm-hmm. angels even get to enjoy. So don't 
don't be like a jerk about it when somebody posts on Facebook like so and so got her wings or his wings. Don't be a know it all. But if you do have the opportunity to use that as a platform to talk about that special relationship God has with humans in a way even the angels going to understand, like take that opportunity. It's actually how do you get from talking about angels to the gospel? It's that angels don't understand salvation. We actually get to be a part of something pretty special. So that is just like scratching the surface of the biblical content on angels, but hopefully that gives uh, you students a little bit um, more of a framework. I encourage you, like I said earlier, look up scriptures. Maybe as you're reading in your Bible reading, like take note of when you see angels happening. They're usually carrying out God's will. Um, They are serving humanity in a a certain way and and obeying God and, and carrying out his will. And if you have any other questions that you'd like us to maybe devote part or all of a podcast episode to, uh, we'd love to do that. We want to keep making content that connects with our students. So hopefully you've grown uh, in that today and uh, keep listening. Caleb, thanks for busting out the Moody Handbook and dropping, (laughs) dropping some knowledge on us today. Oh, I was going to tell you, I have my buddy Cody, our friend Cody Huber. He's preaching on the book of Hebrews and how Jesus is better than the angels was one of his sermons. And so in the middle of of July, they devoted their entire song service to songs about angels. But think, when do you sing songs that involving angels? (laughs) Christmas. Christmas time. (laughs) So we're talking angels we have heard in high... Joy to the world, I'll come all ye faithful. Like that is great. So it's Christmas in was, July. Well, that's what I said. He's like, Yeah, we're singing Angels We Have Heard on High on Sunday. And I'm like, Oh, so like for Christmas in July? He goes, No, because I'm preaching on Hebrews. And I'm like, Oh, that's <laughs> cool. So maybe we'll have to devote some night a youth group to singing Christmas carols, even if it's maybe we not should in do I'll a, break uh, I'll break my, my rule of Christmas music only after Thanksgiving. Ugh. If it if it's talked if it's backing up what we're teaching, it's too much group. Christmas music, anyways. 